0: Uh, Let me invite you, uh, please, if you would, to turn in your Bible, or the Bible provided for you in the pews, uh, first of all, to the book of Psalms. And we read together Psalm 1. First, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book. We thank you that you have spoken to your people through these words throughout the generations. Open our ears and our hearts that we may hear what you would say to us. And that we may respond accordingly. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 1, it's on page 489 of the Old Testament section of the few Bibles. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They're like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season. Their leaves do not wither. In all they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, for the way of the wicked will perish. The word of the Lord. Amen. And from Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 27, you might find this a wee bit familiar. We actually read this scripture last week, and we're reading only until verse 30. We read this last week. This was actually the lectionary passage. For last week, um, but it, it, it was um, due to the theme of, of uh, the sermon today, it kind of fit better with, with, with where we were going uh, in, in relation to the second person of the Trinity and the second section of the Apostles' Creed. So Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 27, and that's on page 43 of the Pew Bible. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but but you, who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them, not to tell anyone about him, the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have a friend in in North Carolina. He's a he's a pastor that that I worked with, uh, back when I was when I was down there, he um every year uh, he he takes members of his congregation and other other folks in the wider community on, on, on an international trip, an international tour. And many times he's taken folks to the Holy Land. Uh, on this particular trip, um, as they always did, they, they went to the, the little town of Bethlehem, which is quite a, a major metropolis now, I, I, I believe. But we still think of it, don't we, as the, as the little town of Bethlehem. But they went on this particular occasion to, to Bethlehem. They, they pulled their bus up to the, the coach, up to the parking lot, and they were all they had a few hours to, to walk around and see some of the holy sites uh, to go into the Church of the Nativity. And there, were, there are also um, many um, little gift stores in, in Bethlehem. Bethlehem specializes in uh, olive wood crafts. And Jay went into this. My friend went into this store and was looking at some of the different crafts that they had there. Um, Among them were a number of different uh, carvings of of Jesus. You had the the little baby Jesus in the manger. You had you know the um, Jesus at at prayer in the in the garden. You had Jesus with the disciples around the, the the table. You had Christ on the cross. So there were all these. Different images and, and, and more of, of Jesus. And Jesus took a look around and he thought, he thought to himself, hmm, there's some, some nice carvings here. But in the moment, he decided not to buy anything. So he went back to the bus at the appointed time. And uh, everyone was on the bus. And all of a sudden he said to the bus driver or, the, or to his tour guide, you know, I wish I'd bought one of these carvings you think it would be okay to go. And, and I'm sure everyone in the coach gave this collective groan. But we've got back here. You told us to be back here on time. And now you're going away. And we're going to have to wait for you. But the, the tour guide said, sure, I'll take you back. I know a, a, a quick way and we'll go back to the store. So they went through the winding streets of Bethlehem. And they got to the door of the store. The tour guide opened the door and said to my friend, Dr. J, which Jesus would you like? Which Jesus would you like? That's the perennial question, isn't it? That comes to us again and again. Which Jesus would you like? We look at our culture today and there are a whole host of cultural images that we could say um, this is my preference from the from the ridiculous image of the, of the movie um, Talladega Nights I don 't know how many of you are familiar with, with that with that movie the ballad of, of Ricky Bobby it's set in the NASCAR world um, and there's a scene in that particular movie where the family are gathered for a Thanksgiving prayer and Ricky Bobby, who's the, the kind of anti-hero in this, in this movie, he uh, insists on consistently praying to the dear Lord baby Jesus. Dear Lord baby Jesus, again and again. And he insists because that's his favourite image. That's the baby Jesus. I don't want this, this man on a cross. I simply want this little baby Jesus. He's cute, he's cuddly, he's absolutely lovely. That's his prayer. That's the Jesus that he wants. Different branches of the church focus on different images of Christ. And we, in our tradition, we have an empty cross. That's significant for who we are as Presbyterians. Our uh, preferred image of Jesus is of the risen Christ. The Orthodox Church has the risen and glorified Christ as their image. No matter how Jesus is portrayed, he's portrayed glowing with a halo and its Even on the cross, in the Orthodox tradition, it's the risen Christ who's on the cross. The Roman Catholic tradition typically has um, a a brutally, mortally wounded Christ on the cross. In so many of our churches um, that have uh, ladies' parlors, there's what I call the the image, the, the parlour Jesus... This very stoic-looking American Jesus, staring <laughs> off, just ahead, staring off yeah. into the middle distance with his beautiful blonde beard, yeah. and just looking absolutely all-American and as handsome as handsome could be. Yeah. That's an image that so many, are, you know the picture I'm talking about, right? Um, there's also the image that some have of, you know, Christ is the light of the world, the famous painting by Holman Hunt. With Jesus holding the lantern and standing outside the door knocking trying to gain entry into the into the heart of of the one whose door that is so there's all these very very different images that we have of Jesus and that's just scraping the surface if I were to ask each one of you what image of Jesus do you consider to be most significant to you. I guarantee there's what, 80 people, in the, how many 80 people in the sanctuary today thereabouts? We'd probably get 60 different answers. Each one of you, many of you would have a different preferred image of who Jesus is. That's the very question that Jesus asked his disciples in this passage. Now it's important that we recognize the context of what's, of what's going on. We're told that this story takes place in a location called Caesarea Philippi. Well archaeologists have discovered that in this place called Caesarea Philippi, just outside the town itself, um, there's, a, there's a, a, a series of cliffs and uh, carved into the cliffs are multiple uh, niches and in each of these niches was contained an idol an idol representing a god a different god and it's in this place this uh, place of, 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 of worship whether it be false worship or not it still was a place of worship this place with multiple images of divinities this is where Jesus asks the disciples this question and if he actually asked them two questions. First of all, he says, "Who do people say that I am?" He's not asking them directly. Who do other people say? That's a far easier question to answer, isn't it, than to answer that for yourself. Who do you say that I am? He asked them, "Who do other people say that I am?" And they said, "Well, we've heard people think that you're, you know, you're you're, you're maybe a reincarnation of of Elijah." You're maybe one of the prophets come back from the dead. You know, this this is this is who people are are saying are saying that you are, and they say that's fine, and that's well and good, and thank you for answering the question. But let's bring this home. Who do you say that I am? And I always imagine in that story, everybody takes a step back, and there's this long. Because nobody really wants to answer. Because nobody's really entirely sure what to make of this one that they've been following for this period of time. They've heard his teaching, they've seen the miracles that he's done, They've, they've, they've lived in his presence day in and day out. And they're bewildered by him. They don't know exactly what to make. Of this man, it's occurred to him that he's no mere man, but they don't know exactly what he is or who he is. So there's this long, pregnant pause where nobody really wants to say anything. And suddenly, kind of hemming and hawing perhaps a wee bit. Peter steps forward and he says, I don't know what they think. I don't know what conclusion they've come to. But here's what I believe. You're the Messiah. Or the Christ. And then Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, go so far as to say, not simply you're the Christ. But he says, you're the Son of the Living God. It's the first solid affirmation of faith that we find in the gospels this is the this is the earliest gospel that was written this is the absolutely earliest gospel that was written the gospel opens with mark telling us this is the gospel of jesus christ the son of god but here right in the very center of the gospel right at the heart of the gospel we find this affirmation coming from the lips of peter who says you are Christ, the Son of the Living God? Which Christ would you like? There's a very famous theologian from last century, uh, a man called Karl Barth. Uh, He was a German theologian, the name kind of gives that away. He, um, uh, during his lifetime, wrote copious volumes. Um, His main work two main works. One, one his earliest work was uh, a very famous commentary on the Book of Romans. Uh, his next most famous work was a 12-volume massive um, a, 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 a set of, the- of, of theological works called Church Dogmatics. He's a very, very high-brow um, theologian, and he's been quoted as saying to, to his students, uh, at one one point. Tell me your Christology and I'll tell you what type of person you are. What does that mean? Tell me what you think of Jesus and I'll tell you the type of person you are. What we think, what we believe about Jesus defines who we are as individuals. What we think, what we believe about Jesus Defines who we are as a church. Now, I don't know if you've paid attention recently to the back page of the bulletin. Uh, I hope you have been paying attention to the back page of the bulletin, because you find on the back page of the bulletin um, our, our mission and our vision. Now we've we very often focused on the first part where it says, what? We are called by God to be a hub of caring in the community. I've talked about that, we've talked about that often in our our worship. That's the what of who we are. That's what we do. That's how we live out our Christian life. But the next line states the why. What does it say? Would somebody like to read it? Chris, you've got it open. Why Why don't you read it? You're looking right at it. We want people to know and experience the reconciling love of Jesus Christ through this church. As it gather- That's fine. That's fine. We want people to know and experience the reconciling love of Jesus Christ. That is why, friends, we do what we do. That is why we gather money on the fourth Sunday of every month for children in Malawi. That is why we have the medical equipment ministry. That's not an end in itself. Oh, it's a wonderful goal, it's a wonderful end. But we serve the community by helping them to show them the love of Jesus Christ. He is why we do what we do. That's why we support so many different organizations uh, through, through our mission giving. I had the wonderful privilege this week of going with Tom to visit the folks uh, in Jersey City with New City Kids. As a mission partner we've had for many, many years. They started here in this church. It was people from here that started New City Kids. Their goal is through all the good things that they do, all the work that they do, the relationships that they build with the children and their families, through encouraging the children and helping them through high school and into college, that's not the end that's not the purpose their purpose is ultimately that these kids and their parents and others might come to know jesus christ and friends that is why we do what we do what we think and what we believe about jesus defines who we are it drives who we are. It forms who we are going to become. Let me finish by saying this. This same highbrow theologian, Karl Barth, in an interview towards the end of his life, he had been asked about all his theology and was talking about all kinds of amazing, deep, and wonderful theological truths. And at, towards the end of the interview, The interviewer asked him this question. He said, said, Professor Barth, you've written all these wonderful books. There's there's such a depth to your theology. There's so much that you've written that most normal people can't even begin to understand what you're talking about. But tell us, Dr. Barth, what is the most profound theological thought that you have encountered? He paused for a moment. And he said this is the most profound truth in the whole of the christian faith jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so all his theology was brought together in that simple phrase in that simple phrase all about Jesus what we think what we believe about Christ defines who we are the question that Christ asks his disciples comes to you, not who do others say that I am but who do you say that I am friends which Jesus would you like In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our hymn is number 188. This is an affirmation of faith, dear friends. Jesus loves me, this I know. Hymn number 188. We stand as we sing.